0: Hello, and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is Friday, the 28th of April, 2023. It's 11 o'clock as we begin recording, we being the wonderful Billy Johnson, our crew beat writer, Kyle Robertson, one of the greatest photographers and in, in, uh, sports shooters in the, in the country. And of course, at the controls per usual is Patrick, uh, the podfather of Flaherty. Thanks for joining us. Just a quick scan of the standings, the crew after a loss, and we'll get into that in a second. Slide down the fifth, 4-3-2 and two in the East, 4-3-2 and two overall, 18-4, 10 against, plus 8. And, you know, uh, New England has slid up to the top of the chart, overtaking Cincinnati after last weekend, which was week 8 in the MLS season. Um, both uh, the Revolution and Cincinnati are, uh, well, some teams have played 9, some have played 8. I think technically it was week 8. Was, uh, it was
1: technically week 9. Teams have a bye week, so that's how that works out.
0: There you go. I don't know. At MLS.com, it kept saying week eight.
1: You might have been reading old stuff then because I can promise you that this week is week 10.
0: Well, old people do read old stuff. <laughs> thanks for pointing that out. So, and anyway, in week, uh, we'll, we'll call it week 89. In week 89, uh, the Revolution stand at the top of the Eastern Conference standings with a 6-1-2 record, 15-4-8 eight, eight against. Cincinnati, also 6-1-2, 12-4-10 against. There's a tiebreaker. Um, Atlanta third place uh, five one and three uh, New York City FC four two and three and then the crew at four three and two um, interesting to look at the standings and see that uh, a team Atlanta above the crew that the crew throttled and a team that uh, the crew came back to draw here in Columbus uh, just a few weeks ago um, uh, in, in the revolution um, a couple other things as, as you scan through the the very low metrics of, of, of what's listed in the standings, which are my kind of my kind of metrics, um, you know, still undefeated at home. Cincinnati's five and uh in the East. Houston's four and and0 in the West. And then there's a, a couple of teams with uh, with no losses at home, including New England, New York City, and the Crew in the East, and uh, Seattle, LAFC, and San Jose in the West. Um, most goals in the league, St. Louis, twenty one. Uh, they also have the best differential, uh plus eleven. I wonder if there's gonna be a market correction there. Um uh Bailey?
1: Yeah, you yeah. definitely do wonder that. Their uh striker jaw class is out, I think like ten to fourteen days, so not a huge amount of time, but could miss a game or two, which kind of shifts that a little.
0: Kyle, you see them coming to earth? Yeah, I don't they
2: play more I, I think I was looking at the schedule. They play more of the top dogs in the West here in the next
0: month or so. Yeah, so but they've the already played some they've
1: already played some tough teams yeah. too, or I mean they dominated Cincinnati two weeks ago. So,
0: Well, they're in first place in the West, followed by Seattle, and and uh, they have scored the most goals, and they have the best differential. Um, the crew tied for second for, for most goals scored with 18, uh, including Atlanta. Uh, of course, they pinned six of them on Atlanta. Um, and the best differential, St. Louis is 11, Seattle's 10, uh, LAFC is 10, uh, and the crew is 8. Still the best differential in the East, interestingly enough. After Saturday's uh, happenings, and it's a very eventful week. We're going to go chronologically. Um, Bailey's going to dig in here, starting with Saturday. Uh, crew go down to Charlotte, um, play on a moonscape of a turf field, uh, and they are they lose one to nothing uh, to to the to the queen, queen the other Queen City, I guess. Uh, that snapped a four game losing streak.
1: Four game unbeaten streak. Uh,
0: unbeaten streak. Excuse me. Yes, that's, that was. Uh, and that streak was 6 10 12 uh, 13 to 2 and in, in terms of goals for and against during that 40 and 1 and and so there goes that um, and uh, you know it was the first time they were held scoreless this season um, but the 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 most damaging part of, of, of Saturday's doings was was the loss of, of, Will, of, of Will Sands.
1: Yeah, we'll start there since we're going chronologically, and it happened in the seventh minute of the game, so it kind of shifted everything for the crew right off the bat. Um, won't rehash it in too, too much detail, but Will Sands tore his ACL in his left knee in the seventh minute of that game, perhaps gotten by the turf monster on that one, which is unfortunate for him and for the crew. Um, he's been their first choice at left wing back. He missed two games earlier in the year with – like a back spasm, but when he's been healthy, he has played every game. He's played pretty much 90 minutes in every game, maybe subbing off in like the 75th, 80th. But
0: He's been really good. He's
1: been really good. He's been one of the bright spots for them. I think outside of Columbus, people didn't think he was going to be the starter. I, I don't want to toot my own horn too much on this, but knowing how he played last year when he was filling in for Pedro Santos and knowing that he had played on the left wing in college and then they converted him to be a fullback in the pros, I thought, wow, that really sounds like a left wing back to me under Wilfried Nancy, and he has been really good for them. So it's unfortunate both, again, for the team and for a 22-year-old player to have a significant season-ending injury at this point.
0: Kyle, you could see last season when they started weaving sands into the lineup um, that that he brings a a multi-varied set of skills to to the game. Uh, uh, He's taken off this year. Um, Tough on him, but this is a really good player.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, look at his brother. I mean, his twin brother. You know, so you know. You know. You, you know. You're getting good quality. But I think what not always. I think some of your brothers are. <laughs> yeah, not twins. Oh, I can only I mean, speak I mean, of my brothers, and they're not. Do you know any twins? There, one's good and one's not so good. I mean, they're usually good, right? The Sedin's, right? They're oh, twins. Okay. But anyway, um, no. I, I think he just brings what what Nance is kind of looking for and the, you know, the speed from the wings and the, you know, the good crosses. I, I'm trying to think the Atlanta game, Yeah, the Atlanta which East. I mean, he was unbelievable. He played that one ball. Was it into it Was um, into
1: Max Arfston there? Yeah. Like the 91st yeah, minute I doing mean, kind just, of yeah. exactly what he did yeah. against Atlanta last year, which was so funny. No, I mean, he has all the abilities that Wilfried wants out of a wing back. He covers so much ground. I mean, he's it's exhausting to watch him because he is back and forth throughout the game. He can beat guys off like one-on-one, which is what they're looking for. They try to isolate on the wings and have their wing backs, Be a defender one-on-one. He can also defend well one-on-one, which is something they also need because they can be vulnerable on the counterattack with how many numbers they push forward. So he's a guy that you know is going to recover. You know, I mean, that's how it happened. That's how he tore his ACL, was he was running back to get a loose ball and trying to beat the Charlotte guy to it. So
0: You could see starting last year what kind of width he gave the team. You know, it opened up the middle of... Well, prognosis is usually, uh, you know, whatever the prognosis is, you know, you look at like Aiden Morris. They, they yeah, this, it's, they, n- it's
1: nine months to a year. It's right. Hopefully, be, you know, preseason next year, he's able to be back on the field and maybe could be ready to start the season. I don't know. It takes um, a year. It takes I mean, a year. Yeah. to get right, And it go. takes a year to be back. I, mean, I think Aiden got back on the field April-ish of 2022. Yeah. Not the same. And it took him yeah. a while to be back to the same level. Um, and he's a few years younger than, obviously Will's still very young, but Aiden was 19, Will's 22. Didn't so. we predict something like to this to would
2: happen too in the last pod? about We talked about how bad the field was. We did talk
1: about how yeah. bad the field was. We, we sure did. Um, and it definitely seemed like that was kind of what got him there. Um, he went to sort of plant his foot and win the ball with the other foot. and you, I think a lot of people thought it happened because he was getting tackled like in that mm-hmm. moment. But if you watch it in detail, which I wouldn't recommend, mm-hmm. but I did because I had to. Um, it you can see that it happens as he plants his foot. so well,
0: there were examples over there as well Beckham being the most famous example he wouldn't he wouldn't play on turf yeah. I, I mean he did after after CC he wouldn't like if they if if the galaxy was flying to New England, he wasn't on the plane, you know that kind of thing. um so so the game itself yeah barely. so moving
1: on from that so then they bring in Yaya Yaboa to play that position. Um, Wilfried said. The decision there was he wanted someone almost more of a true winger, someone who was really going to be focused on the offense and getting up the field. Um, it ended up biting them on the goal that they gave up, which wasn't entirely on Yaboa, but he was one of the players who got pulled out of position um, and was not covering back as Camille Uzwiak is coming in to play the ball into the middle of the 18-yard box, which is also where no one was covering <laughs> Karol Swiderski, and he just rockets. I mean, one of the, honestly, one of the better shots I've seen this year. Patrick Schulte had no, no prayer no. of saving that goal. It goes right up into the top corner, a gorgeous strike from Sweden. Ersky, um, down one, nothing. That was like the 37th, 38th minute. If I remember correctly. Um, and then
0: the, I mean, the coach was fairly happy with the way they yeah, played. yeah. I mean, the second, the
1: second half, they had all of the ball pretty much, they were doing what Wilfried wanted in the sense of stepping up and being brave to put all of their numbers forward and accepting the fact that someone like Emilio Steganek is going to have to defend one-on-one going the other way if Charlotte is able to get the ball.
2: And he did a really good job he, on, the, he, on the couple counters. Yeah, he the, handled the them well, and, and that was that was, was, that.
1: was what Wilfried wanted, was he wanted them to know that that was something that we were going to have to deal yeah. with and be brave in doing that and still step up and not sag back out of concern of having to cover that um they had Patrick Schulte really playing the superkeeper role he had a couple moments yeah. where he stepped up to get the ball right back up the field um so yeah I mean they created a lot Charlotte was defending with eight nine guys in the box and the crew also had eight or nine guys mm-hmm. in the box so all of a sudden that's 16 18 people inside the 18 yard box There just wasn't a lot of space for them to create which is something that we've seen from them at times this year um I spoke to Wilfried about this at length yesterday kind of gauging where he's at as far as the quality of the chances they're creating and how they're creating their offense because the goal scoring has tailed off since those games against Real Salt Lake in Atlanta where they scored 10 goals in two games. And he feels like right. they're actually creating better now as far as the way they're attacking the box, the way they're getting numbers forward, the way they're sort of repeating their actions in and around the box, the way they're opening up spaces and making play. I mean, there's... Right. When you're defending against when you're playing against a team that's defending with yep. nine guys in the box, it's just going to be harder. It's what we saw against yep. New England as well. So there is some level of concern with the fact that they have struggled to finish in those situations and have struggled to break down the low block but in that they way. They
2: are missing their best, you know, but they're also
1: correct. They're missing Cucho Hernandez. Um, Alex Matan really in the second half of Charlotte looked better than he has in a while. He obviously started the season quite strong and has been good throughout, but really kind of stepped back up to that level where every time he's on the ball, you think he's going to make something he almost had that magical happen.
2: Yeah, the, It went from one side when it was like on the goal line, basically, yeah. and almost like totally
1: fearless as far yeah. as like dribbling through guys in and around the box and well, they yeah. can't see him. Well, right, he's, he's a foot shorter than everybody else on the field. So he sneaks around out there.
0: You use what you got. Low center of gravity is something I've tried to take advantage of. <laughs>
1: yeah. So they end up losing that game. I'm not in the moment, I think I, I kind of wrote after the game like this to show their weaknesses yeah. as far as the left side being a problem and their inability to be clinical in the box. As I've watched the game back and have you know thought more about it this week, it's a 1-0 loss on the road where they lost a significant player for them early on in the game. And you could see how much that rattled them. I mean, obviously it's a close team and they're all good friends, but Will is particularly close with guys like Mo Farsi, Sean Zwadzki who was starting that game. Um, and you could just see how much it rattled them. So I think it took them most of the first half to kind of mentally switch back on from that. I mean, obviously, you see your teammate go down right. with what they knew immediately it was a very significant injury, and it, it rattles you. Yeah.
0: What, what what was the lineup in, in Charlotte? What did they start with? So Daly? they
1: started basically the same lineup they've been running, except they swapped in um, Sean Zwadski mm-hmm. for Darlington-Nagby. Um, which appeared to, I, everyone's thought, oh, it's rotation. They've open cup coming up. They probably want a more experienced midfielder like Darlington to play heavy minutes in that game. So rotate him out of the lineup in this one. Then I asked Wilfried about it after the game. And in this very like blunt cryptic, cryptic Mm. tone, he just said, Darlington knows why. And I, even in my question said, like, is it just a rotational thing or what was the thought? Like I, I lobbed the word rotation out there for him to grab onto and he did not take it. Um, and then Darlington started an open cup, which we'll get into. So I don't think there's anything going wrong there. Darlington also took the armband from Milos Jaganek when he came in as a substitute, which doesn't happen if there's conflict or yeah. something dramatic going on behind the scenes, but it was certainly an odd moment.
0: Those things always scare me because, uh, you know, when you don't, he, if the coach is going to be that cryptic really should come clean about something or, or give some general indication. I, I I go back to those kinds of situations when, the first captain of the Blue Jackets was traded, I talked to him and he said, but the GM promised me he wasn't going to trade me. So then (laughs) I called the GM and he said, he knows why he was traded. And subsequently I found out what happened. And I was like, yeah, I'd trade him too, man. <laughs> you can't have that. Yeah. So, so anyway. So
1: I think I think it was just rotation. It'll come I out. Think, It'll I think, come out. Yeah. Bill, I, keep digging at it. Yeah. I I think it was just rotation because then Darlington started an open cup again. He got the armband back when he came into the game. Okay,
0: how did he say he knows why? He
1: just said Darlington knows why. Maybe he was late. Okay,
0: so Maybe it wasn't was it wasn't a he knows why.
1: It was I, I said I said can you shed some light on the thought process of starting Sean over Darlington? Was it just rotation with? two games coming up next week, and he just said Darlington knows why. Okay. So it was cryptic, but, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not getting a sense that there's uh, much more to it there. There's what? been speculation. You know, of course, people are rampantly speculating, as they do. I personally have not gotten a the sense there's much else going on there. Okay. So.
0: That's cool. Do we trust her, Kyle? Well, yeah. Of course we do. Um, <laughs> and so then you get to Monday. Um, and uh, it's the last day of the the April transfer window. Yeah, so and they really had- Tim Tim Bezbachenko acts immediately and and acquires a left back, um, Malte Andensen, who I thought I thought that was a Dutch brewery. Um, He's, I didn't Danish. Know that He's was, Danish. Well, I, a Well, brewery somewhere yeah. there, um near a canal. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, maybe with a wind, a windmill mm-hmm. on the label. Uh, but it it, it happens to be a left back, um, and the acquisition from was from New York. FC for whatever Garber bucks.
1: 200000 in this year, in GAM this year, 200000 in GAM next year, and 100000 in conditional GAM, depending on performance incentives, which is what they always say. yeah so they bring in Melda Amundsen. Um,
0: general allocation money.
1: General allocation money. A little bit of just an ironic sort of small world thing. You're replacing one Sands twin with the teammate of the other Sands twin. James Sands has been captaining New York City FC since he came back from Rangers. So just a little, you know, irony
0: there. What can you tell us about the the brewery? Uh,
1: So he's he's Danish. Um, He came to New York City FC in February 2021. They signed him for a fee. I've seen like 10 million Danish kroner, I want to say is their currency, so like 1.5 million U.S. dollars. He was a regular starter for them 2021 and most of 2022. He played all of their games in the playoff run when they – one MLS Cup, and then the coach that brought him to NYCFC left last summer, and he didn't quite fit with what Nick Cushing, the current NYCFC coach, wants. He wanted a more traditional defensive left back, and Amundsen is so well-suited well to playing more of a wingback role. How old is he? Uh, 24, 25. So this yep. is...
0: It's a- the... A- 25. Yeah.
1: 20, just turned 25 a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. It's not like
0: they didn't pay for him. I mean, that's... We, we joke about the Monopoly money, but that's a significant chunk. Right?
1: Yeah, it is a significant chunk. It's basically, at least in this year's game, it's the money they got from the Jonathan Mensa trade. That's
0: what I figured. Oh. So
1: that's where that comes from. It, I I wish I had a deep understanding of all of the various amounts of Garber Bucks they have, but that is not no something that not they yet. put out there publicly. So Is Amundsen here? Amundsen is here. He tra- and
0: what's his status?
1: He trained for the first time on um, Thursday, so yesterday. Yesterday was you know a bit of a weird session because they had played Wednesday night, so the guys who had played were doing recovery work, jogging, stretching, playing basketball, and the guys who hadn't played, including Amundsen, were going through what looked like sort of a more of like a skills-type session. Um, he hasn't played this year for NYCFC um, in continuing of his falling out of favor with Nick Cushing. He's been on the bench most, but not all of their games, so I would imagine that we're probably looking at um, Orlando when they come back from this bye week okay. that they have next week for him to be on the field.
0: And um, uh, Kyle... And Bailey, we, we, we know they've been scouring the earth to possibly bring in a left footed back. Um,
1: yeah, it's for, not been, happening until the summer, clearly. Yeah,
0: we've been talking about it here for months. We've been talking it, about it here for months. It, we
1: know that they made an offer. For weeks,
0: anyway. Is this the move?
1: This is not, no, this is not the move. Okay. This, this was a reaction to, they needed a left footed center back. That's what they've been looking at. That's what they put an offer in on earlier in April, what Tim Bezuchanko told me. But he kind of threw some cold water then that it, they would get it done before. The end of the window and obviously they didn't know the Amundson thing was absolutely a Our starting left wing back just tore his ACL and we have to get something done fast so they had 48 hours to get this done and they got it done.
0: One might infer they've either decided that the target they want the most is is not available right now and, and will be in the summer and or um you know and, and Bezbachenko talked about it they might keep assessing what they have and yeah. spend the money in other areas. Absolutely. I, that's mean, what, I that's, mean, that's what Sands basically provided. I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, you know. they definitely they definitely want a left-footed center back. But I saw someone tweet the other day, and this is about college recruiting. But they said, like, in the college recruiting game, everybody wants a left-footed center back who's good on the ball. Like, that is a hot commodity across the soccer landscape, which makes them both expensive and hard to find. Left-footed players are harder to find. Center backs who are good on the ball are harder to find. So it all combines to be, like, a pretty specific type of player that they're looking for. And if they think that what they have in Gustavo Vallecia and Philip Quinton can be an awesome name, good it. enough, yeah. which so far yeah. they mostly have. And I think Vallecia has dropped off a little bit. His first couple games, he looked really strong, and he's looked a little more uncertain. And I also think they've identified that Philip Quinton is more comfortable in the center of the back three, right. and they tested out an open cup on Wednesday, having Quinton in the center and Milo on the left side, which actually worked fairly well. I mean, obviously it's a USL team that's right. hard to draw like strong conclusions from how they play. In an open cup game like that, but it was an interesting wrinkle that they tested out there because Deganek has only played in the center of the back three, right. or he does play. He plays on the right side for right. Australia, so on the left is a totally different thing for him to be doing.
2: But it's good to have the rotation of the four guys, you know, to kind of see. Yeah, so you know, they're seeing. I,
1: I, I do think they like they think Quentin is better in the middle, which then raises the questions of is Vaezia your guy yeah. on the left? Again, he has not looked as comfortable there the last couple of games. He's not. No, none of them. they all three of them are right footed. Um uh, the Bayesia has a better left foot than I think they thought he did
0: Kyle are you left footed yes, I am oh wow how about that uh, how much gam do you take <laughs> uh so that that does bring us to Wednesday when the crew hosted the uh indie eleven um of the u s l at at the new crew stadium in a US open Cup game uh, as Bailey mentioned um the home team defeated the Indy eleven by a, a less than emphatic score of one to nothing um uh be able to can talk about that. And and also uh, probably, again, the under the more important wrinkle uh, about Wednesday was Cucho Hernandez found his way back into the lineup in a limited fashion.
1: Absolutely. So I'll shout out um, our colleague Colin Gay, who covered that game for me while my mom was in town, which was great to see her. Um, he texted me at probably 6 o'clock and said, is Cucho normally at the games? And I said, yeah, he's always in the press box, like in his street clothes, he's upstairs watching. And he said, he just got off the bus wearing the same outfit as the rest of the team, I said. That certainly sounds like Cucho Hernandez yeah. might be playing this game. They all share one outfit? They <laughs> They do. I'm going to write about this at some point. I think it's a Wilfried thing. Yeah. They have been, if you look at the pictures of them coming off the bus cuz they now do this like team arrival yeah. thing where they all get off the bus together. They're wearing the same outfit.
0: So Patrick Lyon isn't, isn't
1: There's no, yeah. no no fashion stars on which is there are guys on the team who are really into fashion. Yeah. Steven Herrera loves fashion. Ailey room, loves fashion. Um, but they're all wearing matching outfits. So at some point I will write about that. Maybe that's a bi-week story for next week. So
0: you um, went back and watched the tape. I went
1: back and watched Cucho the tape. Kucho
0: played 45. Cucho played
1: 45, which you know, makes sense as they're working him back in. Um, more of a 3-5-2 look. What, you
0: know, were, what was their lineup on so one So it was
1: Kucho and um, Jason Russell Rowe up top. They had Evan Bush in goal, which to me – um, when we can talk more about the goalkeeping dun, situation dun, dun, later. Oh, Kyle's, but fired up. <laughs> Kyles fired up. To me, starting Evan Bush, they had Patrick Schulte on the bench. Aloy room status is still unclear. He was back in training last week, and then I have not seen him on the field in the two days we've had access this week. And to me, starting Bush with Schulte on the bench suggests that Schulte will be the guy on Saturday and probably is the guy yep. straight up, at least for the time being. So anyways, Evan Bush in goal, then the back line, like I said, was Dagannick on the left, Quentin in the middle, Steven Moreira on the right. They had Yaya Boa, Darlington Nagby, Sean Zwadsky, Isaiah Parente, Parente yep. and Max Arfston kind of switching in and out of various positions in what I'll call a 3-5-2 because they were all kind of roaming around sometimes. Zwadsky was the deep line with both Nagby and Parente pushing higher. Sometimes Zwadsky and Nagby were deep with just Parente up higher on the field. And then Hernandez and Russell Rowe up front for the first 45. Um, and then when they brought Kucho off, they put on Alex Maton, which got them back a little bit more to like the 3 4 to one that they,
0: so they I mean they, often work with. They went. With, there's a lot of regulars. In there's this a stuff. lot of regulars. Yeah.
1: They took this seriously. Wilfried talked on Tuesday about Open Cup and how he wants them to compete. He wants them to you know take this seriously. He Was planning to put a lineup on the field that was going to be competitive, rotated but competitive. And I think that's what we saw. I mean, there were a lot of regulars. Darlington mm-hmm. Nagby, um, But do you think Degenek, should-
2: Steve Morara? But do you think that's because it's a young team? It's, you know, still, so he's his 10 years very early here. He's trying to, you know, a
1: little bit, yeah. But I also these, think it's just the yeah. overall concept. I mean, he won the Canadian right. championship with Montreal in his first year as the head coach there. And that's slightly different because right. there's just fewer teams. Yeah. So it's a shorter competition. But he was talking about how this reminds him so much more of what they have in France, where every single team competes yep. and how he loves that. And it's the beauty of the cup. And like he wants them to compete. So I do think he's taking this competition seriously. And we saw that from his lineup. Um, like you said, not the most convincing score. They got the goal from Mo Farsi in something like the 83rd or 85th minute late, um, working with Steven Marrero on a really yeah. well designed play. Um, so yeah, they, you know, probably could have had three or four goals. The Indy 11 goalkeeper was very good, which my Twitter mentions remind me of. Every 10 minutes. To be clear, guys, they are not signing the India 11 goalkeeper. I want to be very clear about that because I know people keep suggesting that that's something they might do. I know mean, you're yeah, mostly joking, you, but you I just know. want to be very clear that they're do you know, not doing that. Do you
0: know for sure? Yeah.
1: I do because he's yeah. German and they can't bring on an international player All right, right now because the window's closed.
2: <laughs>
0: well, you know, the U.S. Open Cup, um, for old crew fans, is, is uh, conjures yeah. very fond memories of... that was McBride, the first, right?
2: McGride won it? Yeah, that
0: was the first... Um, trophy that that the franchise won uh here at the course, old, old stadium at right? the old yeah. crew stadium yeah um and uh it was it is the lamar hunt u.s open cup and given ownership at the time in lamar hunt's place and forming the league and and the crew um it, it did resonate they also if i recall correctly they they beat a galaxy team that had won the u.s open cup the year before la and uh and and it was was just removed. Uh, they just won the MLS Cup, so that, that was uh, we forget how big a deal that was here now. And and they haven't won the U.S. Open Cup since. So no, that was don't. that was a trophy. Ziggy used to put in the bag every every year in Seattle, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, a trophy's a trophy. And- trophy's
1: a trophy. They're going to compete. It's a good opportunity. Like Kyle mentioned, with a young team and a team that's still learning under Wilfried. Every game is a game of experience for them. Um, just to go back to Cucho briefly, he definitely looked. Rusty, which you would expect after missing six games, um, was also playing with his characteristic flair. I think in like the tenth minute he went for a bike, which is yeah. extraordinarily Cucho Hernandez. It would have been a clear goal had he not gone for the bicycle kick, <laughs> but why would he do why would he just kick it in when he can go for the bike? Um, on a great ball from Max Arfston, who I will shout out that I thought he was very good in that game. Um he's a player that really intrigues me for them. He can play. One of the attacking midfielder spots, or he can play as a wing back. Um, he prefers the he's left footed naturally, but he prefers to play on the right, so he can like cut in on that left foot, which is he's very good at. Um, and they've got a lot of games coming up in May, so perhaps someone that we'll see a little bit more of as they have to rotate a little more heavily with the number of games they have.
0: Okay, and that, that uh, takes us from from Wednesday to Thursday um, when the draw for the next rounds of the U.S. Open Cup came out. What do do the matchups look like here, Billy? So
1: we were denied by the power of the envelope shuffling from a hell is real U.S. Open Cup matchup. The crew were in a group with New York City FC, FC Cincinnati, Loudoun United, and the crew. um, And they drew, they will travel to Loudoun United in Leesburg, Virginia, just outside of D.C. on May the 10th. That's a 7 p.m. game that was announced last night that Loudon posted a video of their guys watching the draw and finding out they were hosting, and we're super excited. I believe it's the first time an MLS team will go play there, at least from what I was seeing on Twitter. I will not pretend to be an expert on I think the should. state of Loudon yeah, United, no, but I believe it, it's the yeah. first time an MLS team has gone to play there, and they're super stoked about it.
2: I think it's good for soccer. I think I think the MLS team should go to the I don't. Lower I don't
1: disagree. Um, I have been told that feels really, yeah. really bad. So certainly in the wake of the Will Sands injury, that's one degree more concerning if they're playing on turf. Might see maybe a little bit more Is rotation. It turf?
0: Do we know that? Yeah, I
1: know it's. I've, I can Google it as we sit here, but I'm 95 percent sure that it's turf. 95. Ooh. Kyle, were you good on turf? It is artificial turf. Wow. At Segra Field in Leesburg, Virginia, it seats 5,000 people. There we go. On
0: Saturday, now this is next up. The last item on our agenda, as we as we go through the week that was and remains, um, at 7:30 p.m. Um, in the New Crew Stadium, the the Black and Gold will welcome Inter FC, Miami, AC, Real United, fourteenth um, of fifteen in the East. So two six and zero. Yeah,
1: they've and that's six, six straight four. losses for yeah. them.
0: So and they're zero and four on the road. They're
1: zero and four on the road. I don't believe they've even scored a goal on the road, if I remember correctly. Mm. They're
0: down in the bottom of the standings there with uh, Wil- Wilfred Nancy's former team.
1: Yeah, Miami's really struggling. They won their first two games and then have lost six straight, basically coinciding with um, when Gregory, their central midfielder. Uh, broke a bone in his foot and will be out for most of the season. Um,
0: Are they going to get messy still? Yeah, I was going to say. Thing, it yeah. seems people, still, people yeah. still say.
1: people has been circling yeah.
0: the airport forever. It has been circling you know? for forever. Well, and people
1: did, continue to say. Did
0: you read
2: the other story this week? That, so that Argentina is building,
1: yeah. building a training. The Argentina yeah. national team is building a training facility yeah. in Miami.
2: They will, they will beat the United States with the. Yeah,
1: they will, <laughs> have, they will have a permanent training facility for their national team in the United yeah. States before the United States has a training yeah. facility for their national team. Which well, is really something. We
0: like the underdog role yeah. anyway here. In
1: um, I, well, I think it's
0: smart. I mean, it's probably yeah, a little bit easier to get it's, players it's, over. Yeah, and, it's
1: branding. Tra- yeah. Travel easier if guys are coming from sure. Europe versus going to the States versus going to Argentina. Um, kind of, I mean, it's weird to call it a central location because yeah. it's not really, but I mean, it sort of is. If you're bringing some guys up from South America, some from Europe, meet in South Florida, yeah. why not?
0: Now, did Messi announce his retirement from international play?
1: He, He, there was speculation that he was going to, and then I believe he said he's not done.
0: Yeah,
1: I think he, like a week later, was like, I'm gonna, I'll continue.
0: Are we connecting dots here? Is that, is that? I mean, I, I, I
1: believe that Argentina was planning this regardless of the messy situation, because I mean, South Florida obviously has a huge Latino population and a lot of people, I presume, who support the (laughs) Argentine national team down there. But yeah, I mean, if Inter Miami gets messy, it would obviously be. World changing for MLS, it would instantly make Inter Miami one of the most recognizable sports brands in the world, which would be crazy. because That's what he did for PSG when he went there. Obviously, they were prominent yeah. before that, but he could you, be
2: chasing the money.
1: Take one of the yeah. Well, the deals so, or, so the so the, the, <laughs> the belief is that it would require they would offer him an ownership stake in the team, um, which then sort of changes the calculus of any other star yeah. that comes to MLS. And I don't know. The, the The question is if like the other owners in MLS are okay with. Well, that happening? Him,
2: gave, Beckham got, it, got a franchise. But that was, a, that no, a, he
1: yeah. wasn't given an ownership stake in an existing team, though. No, 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 he was no, given yeah, a deal yeah, to yeah, eventually yeah, yeah. own a team. The ownership stake in an existing team yeah. is a different yeah, yeah. level of calculus. We've spent a little too much time, I think, talking yeah. about Lionel Messi, who does not play for no, Inter-Miami. He, um, who does play for Inter-Miami is Kamal Miller, who Wilfried Nancy coached in Montreal. They just brought him in in a trade, which has helped their backline. They were actually... I watched most of their game against Houston from last week. They lost that game 1-0 on the road in Houston. And they were probably the better team, certainly in the second half. Um, so that's a game that I think they probably feel hard done by that they should have won. Um, they come into this game really needing a win. Phil Neville's seat is starting to heat up down there. There have been He's starting to get the question of, like, do you think you're on the hot seat? How badly do you guys need to win a game? So that's never good. They needed extra time and penalty kicks to beat um, their open cup opponent on Wednesday. Uh, They played Miami FC, a little inter Miami derby down there. Um, No pun intended. I did not (laughs) (laughs) Inter as in, in Miami, not inter Miami, the team. Um, Yeah. They come into this game, a very desperate team, which can be dangerous. The crew kind of ran into that in Charlotte. That was a team that was desperate to win at home. And they, Got up early. So the crew are really looking to start this game aggressively on the front. I mean, they always want to play on the front foot. They always want to play aggressive, but they've gone down. They need to dictate the. <laughs> they need to,
2: their, their style. Right. When that's, they what don't, that's what they've, they've struggled to do. They've
1: only taken control in their last couple of games yeah. when their opponents have allowed them to, like after they're already trailing. And that is not something they can do in this game because Miami is pretty good defensively. They have a really excellent goalkeeper in Drake Calendar. So their struggles have more been in the fact that they can't score and not that they are giving up a lot of goals. I think they've given up nine, which is kind pretty of... Pretty
0: low. For a team yeah, that, that – Yeah, that
1: exactly. Area.
0: You know, Second 6, the six, six four, nine against.
1: Yeah, in, in, in eight games. In eight games. So All that's right. a stout defensive team. So the crew very that's, much that's
0: needs – That's not they could use Kyle even. Yeah. yeah. So that's a team the that striker. needs
1: – yeah, they're struggling in with this. They brought in Joseph Martinez in the offseason, um, but he really has not been good for them. And Phil Neville has called him out publicly at least once or twice already. Um, they did get Leo Campana, who's their other striker, back for the Houston game or maybe one game before that. And he was quite good in that game, didn't score, but had a lot of chances. So, yeah, the crew want to dictate this game and need to dictate this game. They need to get out to a good start and probably score pretty yeah, early so they're able to take control. Because yeah. when they're chasing, you know, I think teams are going to start to identify that if you can score first on this team, their ability to break you down in a low block is something they're still finding. And we'll see how much Gucha Hernandez plays. I would guess that Wilfried said yesterday that... They were going to see how he came out of Wednesday's game, see sort of what his performance data says, because they have all of those trackers and things that they use to keep tabs on how those guys are doing. Probably a late sub. Pro- I would yeah. actually say he'll probably start. Think I think because it's easier when you're coming in injured, like yeah. as you're still working up to speed. The, convent, like, the wisdom is that it's safer to bring them in from the beginning as everybody's getting up to speed with the game than bring on a guy cold oh, yeah. late in the game when everybody's already at full speed. So... He'll probably, if he plays, I would say probably 45 minutes. That gets him to 90 for the week. And then they have next week off to continue building him back up uh, to then sort of just be back in his regular rotation after that.
0: All right, Kyle, you got anything mm-hmm. before we, we get out of here? Well, you can follow Leo Messi on Facebook. He has 110 million followers on Facebook. You can't follow him on Twitter. He doesn't have a Twitter account.
1: He's on Instagram as well. You can yeah. follow him there. Yeah. Ronaldo, how many yeah, Twitter probably.
0: followers does he have? A jillion. Yeah. <laughs> anyway,
1: we'll end on that note. Thank
0: you for joining us in this latest edition of Soccer Speakeasy. For Patrick DePodfather Flaherty. for Bailey Johnson, and go, I implore you, to go to dispatch.com and check out all her work. She she's uh, she's Rush very car. busy. She's very busy. And uh, Kyle Robertson the striker, I'm Mike A race. Uh, thanks for joining us again. And Patrick, kick us out of here.